Rabbi Yahweh. Oh, your forgiveness and your love and your grace and mercy is so wonderful and beautiful. And Father God, just thank you for the opportunity. The opportunity to be back in your word, to share your truth and knowledge and wisdom that you share with me to give to others. Uh, that I'm a conduit for this, Father, that you allow this in me. I want to be your good messenger, Father. When I arrive home, I want you to say, welcome home, my good and faithful son. Well done. That's how I seek Father God is your validation. The validation of mammon does not matter. Anyone can say anything here that they desire. It doesn't matter, Father God. You have testified in your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. And Jesus here on this place shared that with us as well. Abba Yahweh, your truth. That's what I deliver. Father, thank you for the opportunity. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Baraklitos So, here we are again. And I want to share something with you. I, I love some of these, uh, not all of them, it's just a, a preference of some music, but I really enjoy the contemporary Christian singers and groups that, that are really delivering a truthful, powerful message. And um, sadly, though, there are those individuals out here that <laughs> I, I share with you because, uh, share with you this because you know what I've I've shared with you before about theological teaching and theologians and, and so forth and so on. And that many think that because they have a theological degree or they went to college and, and may not have even completed the degree program, but because they went and they learned theology, now they have the authority, or so they claim, to speak ill of others and speak their name openly and take judgment against them, which is forbidden in the Bible, by the way, if anyone studies the Bible and these supposed theologians were studying the word of God like they should be, they would know and see that we are not supposed to do that thing. That's why I don't do it. I am ambiguous, very ambiguous about anything I talk about when it deals with something specifically related to a person or uh, a church that I've gone into, I don't say the names out loud because then that would give others an opportunity to get into judgment. That would put me in judgment and make me an authority over it. And that's not my authority. The authority that I have has been given me by my Lord. And... He tells me that I have authority over the serpents and the scorpions and over the devil for his workings and things that he brings against me in my walk to 
my heavenly home. It's kind of a long walk, but that's what I'm on. I'm on a walk. And the closer I get, I've shared this numerous times with you, and I'll share it as often as I need to. That the closer our walk with the Lord, the more that Satan and his minions are going to come against you. Why? Because they want to knock me off the path that I'm on. They are nervous about something that God has me doing. And that's okay. That's a good thing. That shows me by these attacks and these things that are going on, that shows me that I am on the right path and that it's making him very nervous. But it's also important that we have to remember something. Remember I, I've shared with you a few episodes ago that um, you know, we, we make the scriptures personal. We can, you know, and like I share, you've heard, heard me speak of, uh, and Jesus came for me and whosoever would listen and have an ear. And, and that's, it's okay for us to personalize scripture. We don't want to rewrite the, the Bible, but it's okay to personalize the scriptures. And God actually enjoys that I do that. He enjoys it. We take the opportunity to do that and make it very personal. He is a personal God. He wants us to have a personal relationship with him. So he enjoys it when I do it. I know he does. And I know he does. And he allows me to share that and encourage others to do the same thing. But here's something that that many Christians or those that claim to be overlook. They bypass or simply don't even think about it. When Jesus Christ appointed anointed of God, told the disciples when he's standing with them and physically with them there and he's telling them he sends them out in the world uh, as lambs amongst wolves. Um, He's not just talking to them physically there with them. You have to understand that. You need to understand that he is also speaking to us. He is talking to future disciples, his disciples that he knows are coming and that will come and take his word, share that word and go into the world and the mission field or however it's done. We are his disciples. He is not just speaking to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and those that were gathered around him there. He is talking to Raven. He's talking to James. He's talking to Jane. He's talking to Terry. He's talking to JD. He's talking to whomever. We have been given a commission, as many theologians have decided that they want to call the Great Commission. Yeah, it is a Great Commission because it's the anointed of God giving commission to his disciples to go into the world. And I love this. I I cry when I hear when I listen to this song. I love uh, there's several that bring tears to my eyes. Alabaster box being one of them, but this one by a group called Cain, and it's a family group, husband wife, and I believe it's a brother there. But they have they wrote a song called the Commission, and this is oh man, it's a beautiful song. If you haven't heard it, listen. It's powerful. I'm going to share the lyrics with you. See my hands and look at my feet. 
It's okay if it's hard to believe. I have faith that you will do greater things. It's my time to go. But before I leave, go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go now for a little while. But goodbye is not the end. Don't forget the things that I taught you. I've conquered death and I hold the keys. Where I go, you will go too someday. But there's much to do here before you leave. So go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go now for a little while, but goodbye is not the end of the journey, the end of the road. My spirit is with you. Wherever you go, you have a purpose and I have a plan. I'll make you this promise. I'll come back again. But until then, go tell the world about me. For I was dead, but now I live. Oh, I've got to go now for a little while. Hey, but goodbye is not the end. Oh, go tell them about me. I've got to go for a little while. But goodbye is not the end. That's powerful to me. That is immensely powerful to me. We are given a commission. We were given a commission when Jesus spoke those words and he uttered those words to the disciples that he was standing with. And understand this. For it's the truth, it is the truth of the Father. He was talking to us. He was not just talking to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Thomas for the little while that he stayed there. Big James, little James, Simon. Not just speaking to them, but he was speaking to me. And he was speaking to you as if I was standing there with them. He was giving me that direction, that commission that he gave them. I have been given the authority and the commission to go and share the word to whomever will listen. And his goodbye is not the end. He promises he's coming. I, I, my faith tells me that he's coming for me. And what's very important, too, is that in the beginning of the song, he says, I have faith that you will do greater things. Jesus, our Lord, has has more faith in us than many do in God. That's... Some will say, well, how, how is that? Well, he sends us out knowing that we are going to call on him and seek his help. And that there are also many out here that choose to ignore even talking to God. I shared that with you earlier. They just turn their back. So in sharing that little bit, I'm going to go into the book of Luke. I'm going into Luke. 21st chapter, and I'm going to start at 
where am I going to start? I'm going to go to Luke 21. Uh, there we go. I'm going to start at verse, chapter 21, verse 8. And he said, Take heed that you're not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines and pestilence and Fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought by before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And I shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not an hair of your head perish. Now understand what he's saying here. Understand fully and completely. I've shared with you the difference between death and perishing. There is a profound difference. They are not synonymous. They are not one and the same, despite the fact that those of the Mamillion plane of existence say they are the same. They are not. To die is a physical death that we all will do. We all will go through that. Perishing is the eternal separation from God. We will not spend eternity in heaven with our loved ones or with Jesus or with God. We will not. That is to perish. There is a profound difference. And what Jesus is promising here when he's talking to, uh, when he's teaching, he said, not a hair on your head will perish. Don't worry about, this is what we get all caught up in. We worry about what we're going to say. What if this and what if that? What if this and what if that? And even so, even though it does may happen, it may happen, Jesus and our Lord is still with us. He has promised that he will be with us wherever we go. And that does not just mean point A to point B. I've shared this with you before. It does not mean just traveling from point A to B, point B and he's with us. And if we get ambushed that he's with us, that's not completely what it means. What it means is that no matter where, we get into dark despair, we get into sadness, we're grieving the loss of loved ones. He is there in our grief with us. He's there to hold our hands and to love on us and to be with us. And we can talk to him. We can pray. Talk to him.
He likes our relationship. And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to concentrate on. This is what he's telling us. Don't fret about what isn't even happening yet. You sit there and you start thinking. Uh, I shared this with you. Um, it's been quite some time ago. I don't remember exactly when. But one of my uh, teachers and, and uh, fellow teachers, and, and uh, he shared this. He says, you don't curse it. Don't nurse it, don't rehearse it, reverse it. <laughs> and I love that because, well, first of all, you're going to get into an agitated situation. You're going to grumble and gripe and you're going to curse it. And then you're going to nurse what happened. Man, I can't believe they just came in my house. They kicked the door open. They drug me off and my, my dogs are left running in the street. Ah, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? What do they want from me? And then you start rehearsing this thing over and over and over in your head, and you start rehearsing what you're going to say. Well, if they ask me this, I'm going to tell them this. And if they ask me that, I'm going to tell them this. And if they do that again, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do... Don't curse it. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. Reverse it. And this Jesus is sharing here. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. Don't think about it. Don't rehearse what you're going to say or don't rehearse what you should say because then you're taking the authority away from the Lord and you're trying to act upon your own authority and your own knowledge and you're going to fall and bust your grill because you don't know. You don't know. You're liable to say something that's going to cause an issue. And if you remember, I shared with you also, if you go to uh, Hebrews 11, it is called the, uh, by some theological students, it's called the Hall of Faith because many people, it talks about faith being our hope, our guidance, and our substance and all this. And then it lists a whole bunch of people that were faithful. But if you go back to their stories... you will find that they all floundered first because they tried to do it on their own first. Then realizing, and once they turned it over and they let go and let God, everything was fine. Even Hagar, out in the desert, she didn't know what to do. And she wasn't, talking to God. She was out there. She's probably muttering. And she set the child out under a tree to be in the shade so he didn't cook right away. You gotta know, out there it gets hot. And she went some distance so she didn't have to hear the child crying. And she was just, I'm certain that as a mother, she was under her breath, what am I going to do? My baby, my baby, my baby. Adonai Roy, a God who sees me. God saw her. He heard her. He sent an angel to her. And her and the child were spared. She built an altar there. Brothers and sisters, we don't need to rehearse anything. We have to know that these things are going to come to pass. We have to believe and have faith. 
that the Lord is with us. He has faith in us, just like in that song. But in the Bible, in the scripture, where do you think that they got those words in the song? You think they just made them up? No. They got them from the word. We have been given a great commission, and that commission is to go to all the nations and share with them that have an ear, and they want to hear the gospel. You have people out there. This is why it's so important, and I I would admonish any of you that sit in that chair and pull back up that easy chair, and you don't get out and do what you're supposed to be doing. Who are you to claim the authority and decide that I'm not going to go this week? I'm not going to go today. I'm I'm just not going to go. You may be the very one that's carrying a specific message for somebody and God has already ordained that or already sees it in you. And then you're refusing to do it. And that person misses. And then, of course, there are those. I prayerfully that it's not you, and if it is, then put the shoe on and wear it and get back in the word and adjust your straps. And if it doesn't apply to you, then don't get your knickers in a twist. But there are those that would just flat out refuse. Ah, eh, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will get that to you. Yes, maybe so, but the Lord had specific things that he needed you to say to that person. I've had I've had I've had people share with me, so I know it's true. They said, wow, I was praying for something and, and you just came and you were speaking to that other person for that very thing that I was asking about. You were sent to me. Hallelujah, yes, Lord sent me. He has done that. It's a great thing. And I'm not, doing, I'm not saying this to, to be bragging on it. This is, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm not gonna be backing off of that. And I want to pray and I pray that I am strong enough. So when, and if and when I am one that is chosen to be taken, that I will be strong enough and stand up and not refute the word of God. I'm not gonna meditate on it, what I'm gonna need to say to them because my Lord right here tells me, don't meditate on what you should say to them I'll let you know. And it may not happen. But what if, 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 but what if. Always that excuse. But what if they say this? What if they laugh at me? What if they make fun of my lisp? What if they what if they don't like my haircut? What if they don't like the fact that I wear glasses? What if they don't like my shoes? So what? And what if they like everything about you? What if they think that you are just so special? And what if they love the way that you speak, even with that little sideways lisp, it sounds so country and they love that because you're delivering the word of God and it's great and they prayed about it and you brought that word to them because they were looking for it. Yeah, what if that happens? Quit looking for the what if negative. And I think that when the Lord and this is my own perspective, so don't get your knickers all twisted up about that. But my perspective is that when Jesus says not to be deceived and not to hear these things, this is, he's also talking to us about that white noise interference that we meditate on, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. Yeah, and what if? And what if it doesn't ever happen the way that we think it's gonna happen? What if that? 
And even if it does, the Lord is with us. So instead of crying about what if, what if, what if, how about we change that to even though? Even though that may happen, the Lord is with me. Even still, the Lord is with me. I have floundered, I have fallen, I have tripped. But even still, the Lord is with me. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. Ooh. That is very important. In your patience, possess ye your souls. Do not give up. Many give up, and this is the warfare that we are on, the spiritual warfare and the plane of warfare that we are on. And there are so many that say, oh, the Holy Spirit's got this, Lord's got this, we're victorious anyway, we don't have to do anything. Well, that's not entirely true. And I say that to say this. Because the Lord has directed us to do certain things. And if you refuse to do certain things, then you subject yourself to that white noise interference in the onslaught of the enemy. Because in doing what the Lord has us to do, or what he's commissioned us to do, also protects us as we walk this land. And don't be deceived. Don't be deceived in giving up what we have been promised. And I've shared this before, is that it cannot be robbed from you. The minions cannot come and rob from you. Satan himself cannot come and rob you of your joy. He cannot rob you of your happiness. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In him I will rejoice and rejoice again. I say rejoice in all things. But if you give that up and you're holding it open, you think that he's not going to come by and snatch it out of your hands or the minions aren't going to come and snatch it away from you and run off and say, oh, look what we got. Look what we got. We got John's joy and happiness. He's in a fix because his family's all upset now. Yeah, we took that away from him and they're going to dance around and they're going to be patting each other on the back. But they didn't steal it from you. You gave it away. They cannot steal or they cannot take what is not given. You claim that authority. And let me share this with you, brothers and sisters. He comes at me, the minions come, and they come in the dark of the night and the quietest time, and I have to make sure that I am on guard. I have other things that, you know, I've shared with you about my PTSD and the military stuff and the things that come because these things happen to me in life, they happen at night. So the minions like to dance around in the shadows and the darkness, and that's when they like to come mostly. And if I'm not prayerful, I have to remember, and this is important, you need to remember this as well. My Lord, I claim the authority that you have given to me, that strength that I have, by your word, to step on the heads of the serpents and tread the scorpions underfoot, and that Satan does not have authority to take, come, and rob me of anything, because you are my Lord. 
I have your authority given to me by your word. Bam. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you just speak the words. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And then maybe play a little worship music. Maybe sing a little song. Close your eyes. And take the rest that God promises. I think I shared this one with you that um, sometimes these... (laughs) These Christian radio stations, sometimes their their uh, their DJs or their VJs or whatever you call them, kind of overdo it a little bit, I think. And the one guy is all upset because, uh, and he shared that he's upset because his daughter came and told him to rest in peace. Oh my gosh! What was she going to do? Oh, that was so spooky. It was so scary. La da 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 da, and on and on he went about this, and then came back after a couple songs and a break. He came back to it again. Oh, for Pete's sake. It doesn't mean anything, and it has nothing to do with death. It has to do with sleeping in peace. (coughs) Pardon me. That when we lay our heads down on the pillow, the last thing that we should be doing is talking to God, or we pray to God, and pray that he gives us a restful, a peaceful rest. In the folds of his wings, as he enfolds us in his arms, he stands watch over us, or his guardians stand watch over us to give us a peaceful sleep, a restful sleep. Rest in peace, my brothers and sisters. It's got nothing to do with you dying. And goodness gracious, why are you going to say that when somebody dies anyway? Rest in peace, my brother, my sister. Well, what are they going to do? They're going to toss and turn. They're going to have a coughing fit. They're going to have a conniption while they're laying there. They've passed from the physical plane of existence, so they're going to be flipping and tossing and turning. They can't sleep properly because the mat inside the box has got a bend in it or something, so they're going to toss and turn. What is that? If you are a Christian and you have faith in God and you have faith in what you believe, that they are already met at the gate and that this is just a slumber. Yeah, it's just a slumber, but they've already gone. Rest in peace is for those who are going to go to the bedroom and they've had a hard day. And this this little girl recognized that her, her daddy was had had a bad day. So she tells daddy, I love you, daddy, rest in peace. And what does he do? He goes off the deep end and he dives into the deep end of the pool. Only problem is there's no water. So what you do? He crashed into the bottom of the pool and now he's got a headache. She was offering him peaceful rest. And if anything, she was in her way. She was a child, but, you know, children know things that we don't know that they know. She was praying that God would give him rest. Rest in peace, Daddy. She was asking God to give her daddy a peaceful sleep. Plain and simple. Everyone looks to the darkness and everything. And when ye shall see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains. 
and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let them let not them that are in the countries enter thereinto. For these be the days of vengeance, and that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive, and into the and all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, the stress of nations, with perplexity, the sea, and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. So when we see that time coming, our redemption... He promised he would come back. He promised us that he would come back. He also told us that things would be not so nice. He also reminded us that it would be as it was in the days of Noah. That was not a good time. Everybody thinks that everything is so different nowadays. Not so different. 120 years that man tried to preach the truth. And all they did was make fun of him. Yeah, he must have fallen off that scaffold up there and bumped his head again. He's been at this for a long time. There's no rain, there's no streams, there's no lakes. Man, those dried up long ago. We don't even hardly get any rain here. What is Noah doing? Noah was doing what God told him to do because the time was coming. And Noah, being the faithful man of God that he was, is because he's in heaven now, so he's still around. Being the faithful man of God that he is, Noah was doing what he was told to do. They made fun of him. Of course they did. Just as they make fun of anybody who shares the word now. And they do things like try to cancel culture them. Cancel culture. We'll get on the web. We'll get everybody against them. We'll say this and that and this and that. And they won't be able to talk to anybody. And we're going to hack their site. We're going to hack this. And we're going to do this and that. Oh, brother. Yeah, it happens. It does. And I have, I have family. I have friends. And I have relatives that have had that very thing happen. I must say thank you for the social media wizards that are out there so diligently working to protect us. <laughs> the prince of the air is the one who delivers these nasty things. You know who the prince of the air is? Prince of the air is what Satan, that's one of his other pseudonyms, the prince of the air. But brothers and sisters, the promise that we have is the light of this world came from Jesus when he came and was crucified and he's bestowed that on all of us. And when he speaks the words to his Disciples, we are his disciples. When he's talking to them, he's talking to us. Put yourself in that crowd. So he's talking to me. He talks to me. When he's talking to them, he's talking to me. 
I am a disciple of the Lord. He has given me a great commission. That commission is to share the truth, the knowledge, the wisdom of God, Heavenly Father, the gospel, the word that Jesus Christ came for me and whosoever will hear and believe and have faith in God and follow the Holy Spirit's guidance. He talks to me. He talks to any of you that are believers, any of you that have accepted that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He speaks to you when he speaks in the word. In the Bible, when you read through the New Testament and Jesus is standing before the disciples and speaking to them, he is speaking to you. He is speaking to me. And he has faith that we will do greater things. Take a look at it this way. He knew what was coming. He knew that the age of modernization was coming, that we are in a different era, and that we are going to be able to reach more than he would. He had to walk, and he had to travel that way because that's the way it was in the world then. But knowing now that I can share this gospel, I've had people I've shared with you before that out in a area that I will choose to remain undisclosed, but it was over in the Middle East. Somewhat fearful for this man, I pray over them, he and his family, because he shared that he liked the word. I mean, this was directly from him. I don't have other people do that. That's okay with me. I don't need that. And in and of itself, that was not a validation. That was him sharing that he loved to hear the word of God. He liked to hear the testimony of Jesus Christ and that he believes. In the middle of a country where they would cut his head off or shoot him on sight if they saw him with a Bible. And he took the time to transmit that message to me because I was doing my father's business. Abba Yahweh, that your hand be on his house. The shadow of your wings oversee him in his walk. Thank you, Father. Abba Yahweh, Amma. But that's what that's about. That's not about, yay, boy, raven, yahoo, yahoo, yahoo. You know, beat the drum, clang the cymbals, throw up the confetti and the pom-pom dancers and all that stuff come out. That's not what that's about. This is praise to God because God allows me to be a conduit. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> wow, that came up out of nowhere. <coughs> Sorry about that. Greatly apologize. See, the enemy likes to <coughs> do things. That came from absolutely nowhere. <clears throat> but that is the truth in the word of God is that he carries that and allows me to do that thing and that, that he exercises his faith in me, that he allows me to be a conduit and share his word and share his truth. 
And he blesses me by allowing me to bless others. It's a great relationship. I love the relationship that I have with God. And I know that I... <coughs> I know that I fall down sometimes. And that is okay. It's even okay with God. But what's not okay is when you succumb to the white noise interference of the enemy and the minions. Because when you fall down... They will jump on you, like scavenging, ravaging, like Jesus described them, Peter described them, Paul described them, ravaging, ravening wolves and lions looking to tear you apart. So when you fall down, and if you waller in self-pity, self-degradation, self-blame and you just listen to that white noise interference that they start dumping on you when you fall down there is as if they're it's as if they're dumping a great big vat of wet cement on you to try to hold you down and get you to flounder and drown in that and then they start telling you how unworthy you are how pathetic you are how sad you are and god doesn't want to talk to you anymore god's not going to listen to you oh they are so wrong so don't succumb to that because God will listen to you. When you come and you say, Father, I fell down. And you can even say, I fell down again. And he knows. And he doesn't care for that. He, what he cares for is that your heart that you came back, you picked yourself up and you said, Father, forgive me. I want to keep going. Forgive me for that slip. I want to keep going. Give me strength. Holy Spirit, guide me. All right, son or daughter. Come on, I got you. We're, we're in this together. I love you. You are forgiven. I know it's hard, but I'm, I'm with you. Don't succumb to the white noise. Don't succumb to the pettiness that you get. And you will get it too, because there will be members in the church body that are going to be so offended. Their knickers are going to be so knotted and twisted. They can't even sit down in a chair comfortably. They can't sit in a pew comfortably because they're going to be so agitated and that knot's going to bother them so much about something that might have been said or done. That doesn't matter because a validation doesn't come from them. They're not in charge of anything except in their own minds. That's the thing. Don't get caught up in that. Just rebuke it, step forward, stay in prayer. And if you have to, as you're entering and walking by, pray. You don't have to move your mouth. You don't have to look at him. You don't have to glance at him. You nothing. You just pray. That's God's house. None of this up. And see, this is the sort of thing that Satan likes to do. Get you looking here and there and over there and over here and over there and over here. Twisted around and bothered. And they like to work inside the church. And getting you agitated, distressed, separated, derisiveness, driving derisiveness within the body is really a big feather in the cap for those little scrawny scavengers. They look to take whatever they can and they work, they work hard at it. They work harder at getting you to stay away from God and stay away from other people and share the word of God than many of us do to share the word. I think that's pretty pathetic, quite honestly, that the minions of Satan work harder and more diligently than those who claim to be Christians and followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel of the word of God. They work harder at keeping us away from doing it, and we fall prey to that more than we do working at it. 
Ah, it's pretty sad. But I pray over that. I pray for it all the time. My going out, my coming in, I've shared that with you. That means when I get up in the morning and I go to bed at night, praying about it. Uprightness, boldness, courage, not stepping down in cowardice, not stepping to the side in compromise. Do not apologize for God, for God does not need anyone on this plane of existence to apologize for anything that he does. You do not have the authority to apologize for God, so don't take it upon yourself to do so. Plain and simple. Yeah, well, you said that, and you shouldn't have said that, and you were preaching in the name of God, and not a, oh, gee, I'm sorry, maybe maybe I shouldn't have said it quite so harshly, maybe I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry, uh, you know, the Bible has a different way of saying it, maybe I should have said, ah, cut it out. Sit down, take a rest, let somebody else tell the truth. If you got to sit there and be apologetic and be a coward, about delivering the truth and the word of God, then goodness gracious, let one of your associates say it. Maybe they'll be a little braver. Stand up. You don't need to apologize for anything that God tells you that you're doing or has you doing if you're doing it in righteousness. If you're doing it just to be mean and spiteful to this group. So this individual, <clears throat> I shared this with you some time ago. He went back because this certain group got all up and their knickers were all knotted and some of them were even knotted together so they couldn't even walk right. They were so agitated and so offended by what was shared. And what was shared was the truth because this person, this pastoral leader, said that it was in the word, but maybe he shouldn't have said it the way he said it. Excuse me, if it was in the word of God and it tells you to, uh, and you read the scripture like it is, why are you going to apologize? Why are you going to apologize for the word of God? God said it. It's the truth. I believe it. Period, exclamation point. That's it. It's the truth. It's his way. Always be truthful. Don't apologize for God because God does not need you to apologize for anything. Look, this individual we're talking about, this, this person, our Father, our Lord, our, our Abba Yahweh, look up in the sky at night sometime, even in the daytime. Or if you live in a mountainous area, look at the mountains. Look at all those trees. Look at the fields. Look at the birds. Look at all those things out there. God made them. God put them God created everything. He created you. He gives you the breath that you can breathe in the morning. Why do you feel like you need to apologize for the Father creator that did all these things? And yet you feel like you need to apologize? Sorry, but I don't buy into that. God made all this stuff. And even those individuals that are deciding not to be so godly and then they come at you because you said something that the word of God says is supposed to be and they are refuting that and then they're blasting you and because you're so worried about their validation and the validation of others that you apologize, you acquiesce, you step down in cowardice, you step aside in compromise and then you do the unspeakable and apologize for God. Whoa, man, did you have some really bad wine at your sitter?
<laughs> so, God does not need us to apologize. We just need to stay in truth. It's the commission that we've been given, the great commission that was given to us by Jesus before he left this plane of existence. He told us, you go out, it's going to be tough. They're going to want to spit at you. They're going to want to hit you. They're going to want to belittle you, deride everything that you say and you do. Stand upright, be bold, be courageous. Be like my children, Daniel, Michelle, and Zariah, Hananiah. Be like them. Be more like them. You're pretty close to that, but be more like them. You don't have to confront anybody. You don't have to get physical. You don't have to get into fissy cuffs with anybody. But just be firm in the word. Pray. Stay in the word. Stay in the truth. And whatever you do, don't apologize for me. Okay, just remember I created all this stuff and I'm sending you out to do these things. Don't apologize for me. If I need an apology or if I need to apologize, I'll go and tell somebody myself. See, that's the authority of God, his sovereignty. And the one time that he shared that he repented of his creation and then he washed the world. But he didn't want to do that coming around because he saw the, the absolute tendency that we leaned into. But instead of that, he said, I want to do something and came down and manifest himself in the flesh of Jesus Christ and was crucified for our sakes. He promises to be with us all the time. Always, through all things. Everywhere we go, to the peaks, to the depths, in the light and the dark, he is with us always. Brothers and sisters, be blessed here in my prayers, my going out, my coming in, always.